Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This week, the Bookshelf Cinema is screening Ricky and the Flash, This Changes Everything, Coming Home, Inside Out, and more. And at the E-Bar, friend of the show, Allison Weering, conducts a memoir workshop at 10 a.m. on Saturday, September 17th. And that same night at 7 p.m., Guelph Spoken Word presents a poetry slam. The Bookshelf is an independently owned cultural hub located at 41 Quebec Street in Guelph. For more information about their hours, listings, blogs, directions, and accessibility, please visit bookshelf.ca. Hey, thanks for all the nice messages that you've been sending about the Drive Like Jehu documentary that I posted recently. It seems that a lot of you are enjoying it, and I had a lot of fun making it. It was very fulfilling, and uh, people are saying, oh, I didn't know all this stuff about the band. It's great. I like this band forever. That's cool. Thank you. I, I do really appreciate it. If you haven't heard it yet, it's available on Audio Boom and iTunes and it's part of this podcast, so wherever, you, however you listen to this podcast or are listening to me now, you should be able to figure it out. It's called Do You Compute? The Story of Drive Like Jehu. I had a lot of fun making it, and it's uh, been insightful. It's been cool. It's the most popular episode of the show in quite some time, and uh, what can I say? Thanks. Thanks for checking it out. On this episode, my old friend Shawhan Liam, who operates under the moniker I Am Robot and Proud... He just put out a new record called Light and Waves and uh, is just about to tour Japan with his band. So we had a little conversation and you're going to hear us chatting about his intersection between the video game music composition world and being an electronic musician in his own right. And you're going to hear new songs from Light and Waves. And that's it. So this is it. This is me and I am Robot and Proud. This episode is brought to you by Pizza Trocadero, the finest pizzeria in all of Guelph, Ontario. They've got delicious gourmet pizzas or choose from an array of fresh ingredients and make whatever you like. Calzones, wings, panzerottis, salads, breadsticks, garlic bread. Pizza Trocadero has it all. You can find them at 7 Municipal Street in Guelph or visit them online at trocaderoguelph.ca. That's T-R-O-K-A-D-E-R-O-G-U-E-L-P-H.ca. Call them at 519-829-2444 for pickup or delivery. That's Pizza Trocadero, a place of the good trade. 
I Am Robot and Proud is the moniker of Shahan Liam, a gifted musician and computer scientist who calls Toronto home. Liam co-designed and composed the music for the award-winning 2012 PlayStation game Sound Shapes, and he continues to work in that field. Since the beginning of the century, he's been making a colorful kind of pop-oriented electronic music that blends organic and synthetic sounds as I Am Robot and Proud. His eighth album is called Light and Waves. It's out now via Darla Records, and it's prompted I Am Robot and Proud to play shows across Japan in October. Here to discuss some of these things is Shahan Liam. Hi, Shahan. How are you? Hi, Vish. How's it going? Not bad. Not bad. Where are you right now? Good. I'm, uh, I am at home in Toronto right now. Yeah. How are things in Toronto? Here it is gloomy and overcast. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's the same. We just had a holiday weekend and... Uh, it's it's not it's not sunny, but you know it's the leaves are turning. It's getting there's some color. There's some color. That's yeah. that's how that's just how I described your your music. I said it was very, very colorful, <laughs> like leaves falling from trees. There you go. There it is. Yeah. You can use that on a t-shirt or something yeah. if you want. <laughs> <laughs> now I I want to ask you about this new record right off the top because I've been enjoying it. I've been playing it in the house and my. Children are wondering what's going on sure. <laughs> with this thing. Uh, can you talk a little bit about the process of making it, what you wanted to accomplish with this one? Um, sure. Two years ago was when I did the last record. And in between that one and this one, um, we did a sort of live band record. So, you know, obviously most of my stuff is, um, you know, computery, computer and electronic based. But when I play live, um, I play with uh, a few musicians uh, from Toronto and we do like a sort of live band arrangements of the song. So we've been doing that for a few years. And last year we decided that to try and um, record them so we would have a document because they kind of evolve and change. And I think there's they're cool versions of, of the song. So we recorded that album sort of over there last year. And then I think the influence of going through that process and kind of doing my stuff but through the lens of i guess like the band process and the rehearsal process and like the studio process kind of was one of the major things that informed how this one how this one sort of went okay now you have played in what what are some of the bands that you've played in historically uh well i play i played in uh sea snakes i've played in jim guthrie's band uh, Tusks. Who else have I played with? I've played. Played play with Nathan with, Nathan Lore. Nathan Lore, yes, of course. Yeah, I played in Nathan Nathan's band for a while. Basically, a lot of friends, you know, from around Toronto. That you know, um, everybody helps everybody. <laughs> so when people needed a keyboard player or someone to do piano stuff or to record, um, uh, you know, sometimes I would get the call, and I'm all, and that's always a really fun thing for me to do. Well, I, I ask you about your past work in bands, not only to illuminate it for people who might not be familiar with it, but also because you, when I first started seeing I Am Robot and Proud, it was basically a solo venture. It was you and your computer and some equipment, and that's how you would play. And mm-hmm. the reason I ask about the band thing is because you know from experience how annoying it is to be in a band. <laughs> you know how yeah. annoying it is to get in a van with a bunch of dudes and their gear and their personalities and the bands break up or whatever and it, it's just yeah. a collective struggle and that's good that you're together but you you know how annoying it is why the hell since you started I am Robot and Proud and could do it on your own why would you bring 
other people into this. I'm just curious <laughs> about that. It seems like a foolhardy decision to me. Yeah, that's a good, I mean, that's a good point. And when you say it like that, I mean, I think definitely initially when I was, you know, I was, I was playing in a, in a, in a lot of different bands with a lot of different people, you know, in the sort of early 2000s. And this, um, you know, electronic music was kind of my escape. It was sort of like the place where you can, you can do whatever you want and you don't have to, you know, you don't, you don't have to rely on, on other people to be available for practice or whatever. You can kind of just like control all the aspects. And, and I think that that definitely, when I was playing a lot of, with a lot of bands, that was, that was definitely part of the appeal for me. Yeah. Whereas now I think that, you know, especially that I've been touring this music or, or playing it, playing it more live. I think that that's, that's where, you know, bringing other people into it really makes it just a lot more. I mean, it makes it a lot more fun, A, and I think B, it, it also makes it, it, ma- it makes it funner for us. And I think it makes it funner for, you know, whoever's watching. Yeah, so, that's fair. I can see that. Yeah. And I mean, like, if you have a, if you have a really shitty show, then there are other people there to complain about it with. And if you have a really great show, then there are other people there to celebrate with and to, you know, to enjoy it with. So, I mean, I think that's one of the things, you know, I tour when I, I used to play this music um, and travel and uh, uh, by myself. And it was definitely, you know, after 10 years of doing that, it was starting to get a little old. <laughs> sure. So now that we've been doing it for a few years as a band, it's definitely, you know, made that the experience of playing music live and the experience of sort of traveling with, with the music a lot more, a lot more fun. Well, you made an allusion earlier to the fact that you are part of this community of people that you've you've played with, and so obviously camaraderie, and and also I guess chemistry with other people that's important to you as a musician. Yeah, I think that like I mean that there there's a lot of especially when it's you know when it when when it's your music to a group of 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 people, you're kind of trusting them with. <laughs> you're kind of trusting them with uh you know something that's kind of important and 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 i think that that is the i think that that is the the most important thing is that like if you if you have people in the room that um that you know kind of get what you're trying to do then i think i mean and 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 i mean and, and i think that that is it's not you know it's not necessarily really a style. I mean, none of the, I mean, the guys that play in my band are, um, you know, Robin Buckley, Mike Smith, um, and Jordan Howard. And I mean, if you know what the projects that they've been in they're they're not necessarily like electronic projects or things that, you know, you would think sound like the stuff that I'm doing, maybe with the possible exception, exception of Mike, um, who does some electronic stuff, but, um, and Robin, Robin will play with Ben Gunning, who's been flirting with electronic. Tone. That's true. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Although I guess I've never seen him. I never seen him play in that band, which I wish, I wish I had, because I've I've heard. I mean, I've seen Ben Ben Gunning play and heard a lot of his music. But I I think when Robin was playing with him, I wasn't. I didn't. I never saw them. So, and I don't know if that's still happening or what. What the deal is? Now. I think. I think it is. I mean, you mean you don't know if Robin is still playing with Ben? I mean, yeah, I don't know if he's still involved or, or you know, what the makeup of that project right. is. Right. Right. Okay. So, I mean, I, I think that uh, playing with these guys obviously 
And playing with anyone is different than playing by yourself. But I mean, at the same time, you mentioned that this is, it was, it started out as an escape from the rock, I guess you were doing the pop and rock music. Mm-hmm. So now you're, you're, you've escaped and are putting yourself back in a position you escaped <laughs> from. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely, it's, there's definitely... Um, Are you familiar with Stockholm Syndrome, <laughs> That's what it sounds like to me. Yeah. Yeah, now, I've never, I've never thought about it that way, but now that you're, now that you're, you're, uh, now that you've described it like that, I, I'm definitely, uh, yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely weird. I mean, it, it has been a long process, so I've never looked at it all as, you know, I've never looked at it the whole thing like that before well you're heading to japan very soon so i assume that you are the guy that has to deal with all the crap to get the band over there right everyone needs their passports and their hotels and all that stuff is that you yeah um yeah well we have a lot of help we have a label um that's uh based in japan and a great tour manager over there um called koji saito and we've been working with him for um, I guess since 2006 or eight, 2008, maybe. So we've been working with him for a while and, um, and I mean, he, I mean, the thing about touring in a country where you don't really speak the language and you don't really understand a lot of the, um, uh, way things work is that, yeah, if you having, obviously having someone, <laughs> having someone who's local, uh, is, is pretty crucial. So, I mean, we're, we do have a lot of help, um, with all the logistics stuff, but there, you know, there are, there are, um, you know, just the regular band stuff, making sure everyone has what they need and, and kind of, I'm kind of like the, the go, the go between, um, to make that makes sure that, you know, everything, everything is taken care of. All the gear that we need is, will be there sure. when we get there. And, yeah. 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 But it's still, that's you. You've got to do that. And if you were by yourself, yes. I'm not trying to break up your band. I'm just saying, I, I want to emphasize <laughs> this point. I can tell you've made life harder for yourself than it needs to be. And that that's it's all well and good. I think it in the end, it works out well for the people watching you and, and the people, and for your music. Now, when you bring the music to the band and these guys contribute to it, what state is it in? Are you like, here's what I made and they are playing along to you know some semblance of a bass or guitar part that you've constructed or is it like here's the skeleton what should we do together right um well it can kind of go a couple ways but i mean initially the way that the band started was you know as a live band for stuff that was already on records so we you know we we would do a lot of um like picking out weird synth or samples samples and then figuring out a way to play them um, on guitar or figuring out, you know, Mike, Mike is really, um, really brilliant with like picking out <laughs> uh, crazy like synth, bass synths and bass synths lines that have never really been played by. I mean, when I, when I, when I compose them on a computer, I never actually physically play them, right? I like program them uh-huh. into the computer. And then he has to sort of like interpret that into a way that can be physically done. Uh, you know, on a actual human bass guitar. So that's, that's one aspect of it where we're sort of like interpreting the sort of program stuff and trying to figure out how, how to humanly re <laughs> play that stuff. Um, and then 
more recently with the the band record um, called People Music that I mentioned, and then this latest one, we've been doing more of um, kind of like what you said, where I'll bring in like a skeleton or I'll bring in like, you know, a simple loop and then we'll sort of work on it collaboratively in a, in a rehearsal the way that's, uh, you know, the way that an, a normal a normal band does, I guess. Right. And was there anything on the new record that surprised you based on how it came in and, and what the end result was? Like how you brought it to the band? Uh, did anything like completely, be, were you like, whoa, that went in a totally different direction than I was expecting it to go? Well, yeah. I mean, I think that it's, it is, this is the first, I mean, the record that um, Light and Waves that just came out is, is really the first time that the process of writing the songs has included other people so early. I'm, I mean, I did a lot of stuff with, with Jeremy, Jeremy Strawn, on my earlier records um, where I would have kind of finished things and he, you know, he is an arranger for like brass and woodwinds. So, and he can all, play all that stuff too. And I would sort of give him kind of finished stuff and he would write arrangements on top of that stuff. Um, whereas this time, it, it, you know, we were really sort of um, figuring it, figuring it out as, as a group, as we went along. And, you know, there are things that I think that um, I wouldn't, are new to this record because of that process. Like, you know, there's, there's songs that have, um, kind of like leady, <laughs> leady guitar, um, things that I can't do on guitar, basically, um, that, that, um, that Jordan can do because he's a guitar player, obviously. So, um, and the same with drums and the same with bass. So I think that, um, those, the, those guys ability and their musical, knowledge and their and sort of their musical um background or you know the stuff they've done before it add, it it adds a whole kind of element that i didn't really i mean you i i couldn't have predicted that you know sure yeah no that's yeah. fair and I, I mean i'm i'm actually you are you are in an interesting realm because i feel like your music for the video game world that you compose and the music you make is i am robot and proud there's an intersection there between the two would you say that i mean they're they're, mm -hmm. they're related in some way yeah like i mean i didn't uh i got into working with video game um with vi video game makers through 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 music right so i mean the way that i met um john mack who uh was my partner on sound shapes is that he came to a show that i was playing and we kind of you know, got in, he introduced himself and he had his laptop there and we started talking about games and stuff. So, I mean, I think that I've, I've always, I've never really had an aspiration to be, um, like a game soundtrack, like, uh, someone who makes like orchestral scores for like, uh, Lord of the, like beards and axes and epic, uh, medieval battles and stuff, you know, like I, I don't think that that's there are people that do that amazingly well, but that's not my that's not my skill. Like I don't that's not really my world. I kind of do I kind of do the music that I do, and sometimes there are projects that where it fits, and that's great. But um, you know, I'm not uh, I'm not I'm not uh, like an adventure game, like some kind of weird 
role-playing adventure game is not necessarily what you would be involved in. Yeah, like, I mean, people, I mean, you know, there there are people will often, you know, approach me and, you know, ask for whatever, like something that is uh, kind of a more standard uh, soundtrack. I don't really know how to describe it, but like, I mean, if you heard it, you would know it's kind of like, yeah, like the music from Lord of the Rings or something, just like soundtracky sure. <laughs> stuff. Yeah. Um, and, and it's, um, and you know, I, that's not, I'm not, I'm not the, the person to, to, to do that kind of stuff. I kind of, I'm, I have a certain kind of musical style that, that comes out of the way that I put the songs together and comes out of the, my, the process and the, you know, the equipment and the whatever. So it's kind of like, I do, <laughs> I do this thing and sometimes it, sometimes it uh, matches up with, with a project, whether that's like a game or a film or whatever. And that's really awesome. Um, but it's not something that I sort of actively pursue, I guess. Right. So it, you're not going to necessarily wholesale change what you do just to match the interest of a particular client. It's not even, I mean, I wouldn't, but I don't think I even could, even if I wanted to. That's the <laughs> Oh, I see. You're, yeah, you make, <laughs> your, your imagination is what your imagination is. It, it will conjure yeah. what it's going to conjure. Yeah, it would just, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, uh, and, and yeah, it's something that there would be, you know, probably a lot more opportunities if I could sort of make that kind of stuff, but it, I just would, wouldn't be into it, I guess. Sure. And I mean, you've, you've been, uh, you're in a position where you get to do what you want and I can see why you wouldn't necessarily want to compromise that. I mean, I think that's the goal for everyone is to make something that is truly of, you know, a part of them. Um, sure. And, yeah. yeah. Now I ask about the intersection because I'm curious if this working with a band now, will that impact the work you do for video games because your video game work i assume is pretty much or no i actually don't know how much collaboration do you do when you score video games well uh it's you know i i think it depends on the pro like so for example now that you bring it up um and i i never i didn't think of this connection before but actually jordan who plays guitar in um in the in the robot band played a bunch also played a bunch of guitar for um sound shapes um, when we needed some kind of like heavy shredding, <laughs> heavy, heavy, uh, finger tapping, shredding stuff. Um, so I think that, you know, I, I think that, um, game soundtracks tend to be, um, uh, you know, so, uh, solo com composers kind of, um, a lot of times doing stuff, um, you know, with computer, with, with computer libraries instead of, um, um, and sound samples. But I think that that, um, that can change like that. That's just, I think a matter of convenience. And I think that it would be great if, um, you know, game, um, game soundtracks could include, um, music that was made in different ways and music that that's made by different kinds of musicians. Cause I think that it's a really great, place for being able to experiment with different sounds and experiment with different I mean I guess it's it's probably similar to film to film soundtracks that way although I think film soundtracks tend to be more like you're serving a 
you're serving a particular emotion that's happening at, in, at a particular moment. Whereas, whereas a game soundtrack is like, you don't necessarily know what's going to be happening in the game at the moment where you play this one chord or whatever, right? Like it's the, the thing that's the visual and the game are happening at the same time, but they're not synchronized in the same way that, uh, that a film right. is. So I think that the, the, the music has its own space to breathe in a way that a film score um, doesn't, you know, because, it, because the music exists in a game kind of in, a, in, in its independent um in an independent kind of time frame i guess i hadn't thought of that that i hadn't thought about that at all actually i mean it, it, it is a curious thing you know before you and, and our friend jim guthrie started talking to me a little bit about video game music composition it just had not been a thing that i thought much about um you know, I played video games and yeah. I'm not a gamer now. And I apologize to anyone who's a ra- rabid gamer. I just don't. I'm a dad with a mortgage. I don't have time to play. Who has the time sure. to play yeah. these games? I, I no, I could probably play the games. But I, it is an interesting world that uh, you and Jim have been involved in, and I just didn't know anything about. And you've won all these awards, and the games are very popular. Like, can you talk a little bit about? I, I don't think I've talked to you about sound shapes. I know a little bit about it. Is that's the the that's the yeah. most recent thing that you've done that has caught the most attention. And I want to ask you if you're working on other stuff too, but can you talk a little bit about sound shapes? Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting. Like, I mean, it's, it's definitely, um, um, it wasn't something that, um, I mean, I, I guess I can't speak for Jim, but for me, definitely like I, it wasn't something that I was really seeking out, but it was really just a lucky thing. I mean, it's, it's just like, um, it's just like a music scene or something like that, where you just happen to be in the right, <laughs> in the right city or you happen to be going to the right school where you meet those people and you connect with them and that turns into something else you know and I think for me and Jim I mean in Toronto um, I guess this is going back uh, um, you know seven or eight years ago there were there there weren't um, there weren't any uh, big game studios in Toronto you know those are all in Montreal and and uh, Vancouver. And so there are all these sort of young, really talented, creative people that wanted to make stuff, but there was no one to hire them. So they're just starting their own studios or working on their own projects, like in their basements and stuff. And at the same time, you know, the, you know, I guess like the iPhone was about to happen. And there was kind of like this thing that was happening out in the world where people realized that you didn't have to be a huge company to make it to make a game or that sort of smaller weirder games were sort of becoming in fashion again right so i think that you know we me and jim you know both kind of were um you know kind of just lucky in timing wise to sort of be here and we're involved in kind of um you know the community of game people here the same way that there's a community of musicians that kind of hang out and kind of talk shit with each other and then, you know, sometimes collaborate or sometimes, you know, um, work on stuff. And I think that that's, that's really, that's really how it happened. And then, you know, I, I expected it to be kind of a, a year long thing, you know, um, I expected it to be kind of like a, a year long project and it, and it sort of, um, got, got out of control and turned into like a five year long project. Hmm. Um, so yeah, it was, it, you know, it was definitely a, a really weird, um, 
uh, a w- really weird sort of thing. <laughs> right, and and it's a music-based game that you helped create, right? Yeah, it's basically it's 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 a video game that where part of what you do is is um, build these worlds where everything in the world is is musical in some way or is 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 a musical instrument. So you know, as you're building it, depending on where you depending on what shape the you, you you make your world in and what objects you put it in and what creatures you have and how they interact with each other um, it creates um, music based on that stuff and there's all kinds of sort of internal rules where you know let's say that the higher in the sky I play something you know the higher in a in a major scale or something the note will be and then uh, you know oh, okay. the faster this creature is moving and then the faster the the tempo of the drumbeat will be or something like that, you know? So there are all these rules that are tied to the, the make-believe physics and, and ecology of the world that are um, mapped to uh, musical, I guess, like musical theory, right? And so the idea is that you kind of, you kind of uh, stealthily teach these musical theory concepts by having people just play in a, in a world that just looks like um, a fun game world with with you know a bunch of creatures and a bunch of stuff in it and but in the you know but under the under the the surface level there there are all these concepts that they're that that, that musical concepts that they're learning so it's edutainment well it's <laughs> it's not really educational in the sense that like you know there's no we never actually tell you what a major scale is right we never actually um, we never actually tell you um, uh, that what you that what you're learning is you know this is called a whatever this is the major third and this is the whatever right it's really just learning by ear like the same well, I don't I mean I don't know how you I don't know how you learn to to play music but for me you know a lot of it is like you kind of I mean I guess I did take piano but you know for things like guitar or something you kind of learn the shapes you learn what your hand does that makes it sound good but you might not understand yeah like oh that sounds good because you know this string and this string are making a major third and then that string is an octave above and blah because of whatever these reasons those three notes sound good together and that's a chord and whatever right i think that most people you just learn these shapes and you just learn how to sort of manipulate these physical things to make the thing that sounds good and a lot of people never know those what those rules are, right? Like a lot of people never, never find out, you know, what that the reason that that thing sounds good is because of this this whatever piece of musical theory. But it doesn't stop them from being able to use it and being able to like express them to to make something with it and express something with it, you know? Yeah, no, totally. Like I don't. I think you you've that's certainly been my experience. I only recently got into a little bit more theory or or trying to. I mean, I had a guitar teacher once tell me that the guitar made no sense, like in terms of it just didn't make any sense as an instrument. Like the piano makes sense <laughs> sequentially. Right. Like, it's like it's organized. Sequential. Yeah. Right. But the guitar, yeah. like if you actually sit back and look at it, you're like, well, why is that a thing like that? So that, yeah, I, I, that's interesting. You, you try to subtly impart some music theory and knowledge into what is ostensibly a video game was there a game like sound shapes before your game because i know it did well and that people were very excited about it um yeah i mean i think that there have been 
there have been games that um, um, uh, things like Guitar Hero kind of go for the same. I mean, it's silly. Yeah, but it's the same kind of like you gotta it, physically use a fake guitar and do stuff. Yeah, yeah. So I think that you know something like Guitar Hero is definitely um, you know example of uh, people using a game a game a game mechanic, I guess, or you know some the the, the language of games to try and um, um, encourage you to practice, I guess. You know, but I think. The, you should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The experience of playing guitar here is sort of like the experience of, yeah, like practicing for a piano recital or something where there's this piece of music that is this definitive there's a definitive authoritative like a way to sort of get an a plus and you're just grinding to try and like achieve that um to try and achieve that sort of like um that sort of the the game's expectation of you where whereas i think that for you know for me playing music um and, and i'm sure you probably think the same is like a lot of times you know, the, the fun is in the creation where you don't really know what you're doing and you're not really, you're just kind of messing around or you're like, what would this sound like with this? Or what would happen if I, if I plug these pedals in, in this order instead of that order, or what would happen if like the drummer tried, you know, like hitting a weird part of the drum or something. And these sort of, um, really, uh, really fun, creative, uh, moments come out of, kind of not really knowing what you're doing but just kind of playing around and following your ears and when things sound bad you stop doing that thing (laughs) and when when it sounds good you keep doing the thing right um and i think that that experience of um i don't know what you call that like musical like (laughs) uh whatever fucking around musically or whatever i think that that is 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 closer to what we were trying to 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 uh to uh to have people that play the game experience so you know it wasn't so much about whether you can like master this uh um this this piece of music but more in the sort of uh that creative space where like well okay like what what do you actually want to do and what how are you going to use the tools to like make a thing that says something about you or says, you know, something that's kind of um, 
interesting or that you think someone else might want to hear here you alluded to the fact that you did have some piano lessons earlier and if i have this if i, if I recall correctly you you are a classically trained pianist but most of the other stuff you do in music has been kind of self-taught or the result of your own explorations is that is that correct yeah yeah it's sort of like piano le- like um childhood piano lessons much like um many people probably do but i think that you know it's funny talking about guitar hero like that but it's definitely in my experience i felt like um i didn't start having fun playing music until i stopped learning it in that formal way and of course now you know years later i you know have sort of gone back and i'm trying to like you know pick up some of that pick up some of that theory stuff or pick up some of the technique but i think that um you know that when you're i think that the the fun for me or the the thing that really um that i that i found really interesting about playing music i didn't find i didn't find until after you know after i stopped really um doing classical do you remember what actually got you into music like as a some like did, was there a performer or a musician that sparked your interest in music in the first place like when when you were little like in playing music or but, I but can, both actually like what what got you into music as a fan and also as a player this is a question i often ask my guests yeah i huh as as a fan it's hard to it's hard to say actually like i mean i know there are a lot of musicians that come from i guess musical families or there's always music playing in their house or whatever like they're parents have a huge record collection and they grew up on whatever classics from uh, whatever age it was. Right. Um, but I don't, I don't really feel like I had that. Like I, you know, um, my parents, you know, my parents encouraged me to play music, but they weren't really fans of it themselves and they didn't really have, have much of it around. So it's hard for me to say, you know, where that, um, where that interest you know, I probably just heard music through, um, you know, the same way that everyone does on TV or in the ra- and on the radio. You were, uh, and t- you're, you're, were you from Mississauga? Yeah, yeah, just outside and so Toronto. You, and you mentioned Jeremy Strong. Like, you grew up with some people that liked music, played music. Yeah, for sure. And in terms of, in terms of, uh, you know, deciding that. I wanted to try playing music. I can't. I can pinpoint that moment, and it's when <laughs> I think me, I, me and Evan Clark were playing in like the grade six, uh, grade six. Like I don't know what the, I don't know. Just like the band that plays uh, at the school assemblies or whatever. Okay. Uh, I think he played alto sax, and I think I played trumpet at that time. And uh, and there was like a school assembly or a school talent show or something, and we were playing. I don't even remember what songs we were playing. It doesn't. It doesn't matter. But whatever songs that you can teach eleven-year-olds to play on. Sure, like you, you were know. in the band class or whatever, like the music class. Yeah, yeah, music class. Whatever songs you play in music class, on Un- basically uncool songs is what I'm saying. A lot of um, hot cross buns. You were probably playing hot <laughs> cross buns. Yeah, and so we we there was a school talent show, and I think we were in grade six. And there were a band of, there was a three piece band that of made up of grade eight uh, kids um, who, you know, if you're in grade six, those guys are like basically like the coolest 
the coolest humans that sure. you are exposed to. Um, and I think, and I, they did a cover, like an instrumental, an instrumental cover of uh, Sunshine of Your Love. Uh, and I, and I remember that me and I remember kind of like, that's when we were kind of like, oh yeah, we need to, we, we shouldn't be doing the trumpet and alto sax anymore. We need to get like the, whatever they have, what is that electric guitar or whatever. <laughs> and we need to, we need to get on that, uh, get on that thing. There was guitar, and, bass and drums and cream. If that's what you're yeah, trying to remember. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So that's. So I think, yeah, like, I think Evan had already had a guitar. I think he, he was, he, he was already playing guitar. And I think that around that time I got a bass and we we had another friend who played drums and, um, Jeremy lived on the same street, uh, um, as, as the drummer. So he, you know, and we all went to school together. So, um, sort of from that point on, we kind of, I don't know, kind of made it our business to whatever, do the rock and roll thing and the band what you had with those two was what with uh jer and evan did you have a band with those two uh uh yeah yeah uh it was called blue light blockade that was so that was like in in high school that was oh, in uh, high school. a little bit later okay yeah um but yeah evan played drums and jer played guitar <laughs> so long ago trying to, yeah jer played guitar and i played a uh, bass in that that, that that's an amazing cohort to be a part of. Jeremy Strawn, Evan Clark, those are like two of the greatest musicians in Canada. Uh I, I think. It's definitely one of those things like, yeah, like where I sort of talk about, you know, luck with a game thing. It's is definitely the same thing with that, right? It was sort of like being in the right place and around the right people and in the right, you know, state of mind and kind of um that we all kind of pushed each other and all kind of um uh uh yeah we we i think that it was a it was it was really it was really lucky and something that you couldn't really plan out like you couldn't you couldn't just like uh you you couldn't you couldn't will that or you couldn't like make that happen you just happened to have to be in that music room at that time <laughs> um and it, it it does seem that right place right time figures into your story a little bit yeah 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 you believe in that well, I, yeah, I mean, I think that it's, it's in my experience, like a lot of the things that, uh, yeah, a lot of the things that have happened, like even playing music at all, like I don't, I don't know that it would have happened if I had been in a different school or in a different, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. So I definitely think that that, that, that has something to do with it. Yeah. I think uh, it was roughly around seven years ago or so that you and I had a lengthy chat. It was ostensibly, it was a music article I was writing for Exclaim on, on you and, for their music school section. So we got into some of the stuff that we've covered again today, but oh, okay. Uh, do you remember this? Do you remember this at all? I remember the sort of, I remember that. What? Happening. You don't re- I came to your apartment. I came to your apartment. There's a photographer with me. You came there. I remember, I remember that there was a picture. Yeah, but I don't, I, that was a long time ago. Vish. That was like, it was seven that might've been 10. No, no, that might've been, no, that was more than 10 years ago. I think. No, I don't think so. Really? I, I, was, I think it was in 2000. Anyway, it doesn't matter. I think it was around 2008. Okay. Right. Anyway, the point, the, not to, the point of this wasn't to make me feel bad and unmemorable. <laughs> the point was you and I had at the time a lengthy chat about how Canada doesn't necessarily get 
an artist who fuses electronic and pop music like yourself, like others, yeah. they just didn't know what to do with them. Uh-huh. Um, because at the time, and I'm going to ask you about Japan in a moment as well. At the time, you were doing way better in Japan than you were doing in Canada. Like you were a charting artist in in Japan, and you continue to go there and tour. So it's, I assume that your status is still uh, high if if it's uh, compared to other places. So, but I want to ask about Canada because you, as I say, you mentioned that there may not just be a a place for someone like you. No one could get you. Has anything changed <laughs> about that situation since then? Uh, uh well i mean i i i do think can i mean yeah i mean i i think that canada is a very um rock centric place a very guitar centric and i mean i love that music too so it's not i don't say that as kind of a uh it never sounded you know. like sour grapes it just seemed like a, a, yeah. a point of fact and i and i think that you know there's music that i I, I feel like, you know, I come from that musical community as well. And, and, um, obviously like I've, I've played, I've, I've played and continue to play, um, with a lot of, um, in a lot of, you know, bands of the, whatever, of the guitar e persuasion. Sure. And, and all those people are, you know, what, you know, big, uh, influences on, on me and whatever as a musician. But I think that, yeah, I think, you know, Japan and Germany, for whatever reason, um, I'm sure that if you looked at their musical histories and their histories of like their relationships with, um, you know, um, American and British, whatever rock music, the, you could you could make some kind of argument that um, they they have a a different relationship with electronic music, like it kind of um, in a way became their pop music in a, in a way, in, in a way that never really happened here. You know, um, here we have different things, you know, here we have, whatever we have hip hop and we have, um, club, uh, you know, we club culture or whatever we have different electronic music just takes a different form here. And so, I mean, definitely what I found is that if you're not playing music that is for the dance club venue or dance club format, it doesn't, there's not really a place for you to play here. <laughs> so, and I don't but think... Are, but are those, is that your scene, though? Like, would you want to be playing... I, I guess I'm confused by... Uh, in Japan and Germany, which are places you've cited, is there a regular venue for an artist like you? Uh, as a, uh, Like, I, I just don't know where you would play anywhere. Yeah, I guess... There's a place for electronic music in the same way that there, like weird electronic music in the same way that here there's a place for improvised jazz uh, or something. Yeah. Or like not even like weird guitar, even like, even like people that I'm struggling to think of an example, but you like, um, uh, where people that take, take a convention and, uh, do something a little bit weird with it, but still can play at, I guess like maybe like Gastro del Sol or like, you know, like people that are kind of like on the fringes of the, or, or were sort of on the fringes of um, guitar based, whatever, indie music, but they still play the same clubs as um, there's, they would still play at wherever the horseshoe or, or Lee's palace or something if they, on tour right and people and the same people that are into 
the indie the the more accessible indie rock version of that would kind of um they would they would they would there would be a crossover there you know of people that were into the weirder stuff and there would be a place for that weirder stuff I mean, there's a profile, something about our countries. I mean, I don't want to cite them in any relation to what you do, but people like Caribou or Grimes are kind of sort of hard to classify, but resonating beyond. Um, yeah, and and a lot of times they have to leave, right? I mean, Caribou, you know, for sure, I mean, had sort of um, left Toronto pretty early in his after his first record or something yeah right? yeah I, well, he's in he's in dan's in england now yeah yeah and there's a thing in uh in canada for sure where you know you kind of leave uh, find an audience somewhere and then come back and people at home kind of see you through through the the, the lens of the external or of of you know how you did in the other place, yeah, you know, <laughs> maybe even take a bit of credit for it. And, uh, and like this weird revisionist history, uh, right. like, Oh yeah. We were always, we we're always proud of that. You know, it's, it's yeah, it is a weird right. thing. Okay. So you don't, so has the, so the situation from seven years ago, nothing has really changed from your perspective in terms of, uh, well, I guess it's, it's also been, I mean, who, who knows? Like I'm, I'm definitely in a different place, uh, musically and in my life. And I'm, you know, I'm in my mid to late thirties now. I'm not going out. I'm not, I'm not seeking like a necessarily like a, a thriving or just like a, a music scene every for three nights a week. You know what I mean? It's so for all I know it is there and I'm just not, I'm just too old and lame for it now. <laughs> um, that's totally, I'm, I'm totally, but I guess, um, yeah, for, um, uh, for me, I kind of, I mean, we, we do, I do, we do play in Toronto and we do play, we do try and play, you know, locally, and, but it's usually um, people that know us from our other projects, people that, um, you know, know us, you know, through the sort of various kind of like rock related things that of we course, do. And yeah. then it's like, oh, th- those guys are doing an electronic thing. So that's interesting because you know, the, because, of, because of its relation to the thing that I am, am sort of, uh, the thing that is the, the more comfortable thing. I, I remember guess. that Jim Guthrie, his profile on Twitter or something, he started Twitter and he was Jim Guthrie, uh, whatever. And it mm-hmm. was, it was doing, it was fine. He had some followers, but then it's the game stuff that he did with sword and sorcery and, um, and the other projects mm-hmm. he's been involved in started to, get out there his like people the the gaming community just got right behind him and he sold out of his you know he sold out of multiple i think he sold thousands and thousands of copies of of the soundtrack to the video game while his own album that he subsequently put out did fine but not quite as well i mean what is the gaming community is just they're very they seem very dedicated and into their stuff i mean what how would you compare the gaming community's reaction to your work uh, compared to let's say an indie rock audience um well i mean i think that yeah i think that there's there is some crossover it's 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 i mean i think that record collectors a lot of them kind of stopped collecting records you know like people that people like that used to and i I definitely count myself among among this group of that used to 
um, collect a lot of music. There aren't as many of those people anymore, but game gamers are collectors. Like they're kind of like collectors of physical things. They like to have, you know, they like to have the um, the physical copy or the you know the um, the artifact. Yeah. And whether that whether that sort of is the game or the game cartridge or whatever the 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 artwork for the thing or and that also kind of extends into the into the music the soundtracks for for the games as well and i think that's why that's part of the reason why there's such a strong um uh such a strong response for um those game soundtracks especially when when um, jim did sorcery because you know there weren't a lot of people pressing game soundtracks onto sort of like beautiful lps with bespoke artwork that kind of like treated it like a you know treated it not like as like a side effect of a of a game but as its own um kind of cultural product right yeah that was a a kind of i mean now you know in the in the sort of subsequent years um there have have been more and more you know of those kinds of things um but um at the time i think that it was it was kind of a new thing and it was a new way of people kind of like of of people that played games and maybe like the soundtracks but never really thought to think of the music as its own thing it kind of like it kind of opened a door to to thinking about game soundtracks in a in a in a certain way i guess right i don't remember what the i don't remember what the question was i just started talking about it. well i was just just about the 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 i mean i want to ask about the, your japanese following too it was more just about the differences you see between people uh following your music and who it resonates oh with. right and, and how much. Yeah. Um, because, I mean, we also have spoken before about how you're kind of big in Japan compared right. to Canada. Right. And I'm curious if you can talk, within what you were just talking about, why has your music resonated so much in Japan compared to maybe North America? Yeah. I mean, who it, it's, I mean, if I could explain, I mean, <laughs> I would love an answer to that. Like, I mean, if I could explain that, then I could sort of reverse engineer it and figure out how to... <laughs> <laughs> right. How to get shows in uh, Waterloo, Ontario, or whatever. Um, right. You know, like I can I can book a show in Osaka pretty easily, but I mean, I think it would be pretty tough for me to get a show in, in Peterborough. Um, so <laughs> I think that you know, and why is that? Like, I don't, I don't. I mean, I'm sure there are a million reasons. I'm sure that there's a lot of you know contributing factors to that. Um, when you go when you go to Japan, do you talk to people as much as you can about you know I, I guess you don't want to be like uh why am i here <laughs> like why did you want to bring me here you don't want to ask that necessarily but do you talk to people about your work like do they do they, do they explain to you like why it's meaningful to them well yeah i mean i think that definitely like a huge i think a huge sort of cultural um uh reference point that we don't have here is um yellow magic orchestra so I don't, I don't know if you're familiar, but yeah, like, you know, and I think that in Japan, Yellow Magic Orchestra was, you know, essentially like a huge pop group. Like they were in, you know, TV commercials and and they and on variety shows and on TV, like all the time. So like they're basically like pop stars. Right. So I think there's a connect. There's a sort of a mass, a uh, sort of a mass appreciation for. Yeah, like electronic music that. You know, we just don't have that here. What's an what's a electronic, you know, Canadian electronic band that has had the same kind of cultural impact? I mean, Enigma. I mean, 
You're right. Yeah. yeah. No, can you think? Can you think of one? Like I can't really. So I just think that that, I, and I don't know why that is. Like I mean, why? Why? I don't know. I can't explain why, but I I can point to that as sort of a, a, a sort of a data point. You know, as as to what what the the difference is between someone there hearing my music for this first time and what kind of musical reference points and what might be in their head when they're listening to it and what kinds of things that might touch and connect with versus someone here. Right. So if, if I am robot and proud started to make records that sounded like lover boy, much bigger in Canada. Right. Potentially, <laughs> which is, yeah. 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 Uh, yeah sure. Okay. That, ma- that makes sense to me. Now what's coming up next for you? Uh, we have the, the Japanese tour dates behind the robot and proud record. Uh, are you working on another video game? What else is going on? Uh, well, yeah, we're, I'm going to be on tour like this month into next month. And I've, and I've been doing, um, visual, like the, the visual show for the, um, for the tour as well, which, um, and it takes a lot of time because I, you know, I do all that stuff myself and it's all, um, like, uh, it's all kind of adaptive and responsive to all the stuff that's going on. So, I've been working on that and, and, and when I get back, I mean, there, I guess, yeah, I mean, there are a few projects. I don't, I don't think there's anything that it really makes sense to talk about, but, you know, basically I'm trying to continue working in that space of where music, um, and, uh, where, where music and, and inter, I guess interactivity kind of, kind of connect. Right. Is that, uh, is that is that is uh, that too vague? It is very vague, but it's not too vague. I understand yeah. that it's. I, I understand why you would want to talk about anything that isn't done um, uh, in any way. So that's fair. I mean, it sounds like you're you're doing the same things that you were doing at the beginning of this interview, which are making records as Robot and Proud and working in the realm yeah. of video game music <laughs> composition, right? Sure. Okay. Sure. Yeah. 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 Exactly. So projects will be coming, and we'll hear about them one way or the other. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, once again, the new I Am Robot and Proud record is called Light and Waves, and it's out now via Darla Records. I Am Robot and Proud Tour Japan between October 21st and 28th. And, and did you say you also had some November tour dates? Yeah. Um, the, we're we're going to be playing with the band um, from the 20th to the, t- yeah, I think until the 28th, like you said. And then after that, the band comes home, and then I'm going to do like another couple weeks of solo shows and sort of more... Uh, more remote or not remote, but just not, not the five major cities that most people play. So I'll be, I'll be getting to travel to um, some smaller towns and to some places that I've never been before. Oh, this is still, this is still them. all in Japan. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I wasn't sure. I, I only yeah. have the band dates here in front of me. I apologize. Okay. So, right. okay. So people can learn more about all of these things, the record, the tour dates at Darla.com and robot and proud dot com a uh, shine is there a song from the new record that we can go out on and if so can you pick it uh sure why don't you play um why don't you play the, one of the band songs uh it's called kira kira zigzag and that's one of the ones that we recorded um kind of in the new band format for this record when you when you're making instrumental music and you title something it might almost mean more mm-hmm. than uh, a song with a lyric fragment as a title you know what i mean what is the origin of kira kira zigzag well yeah i mean kira kira is a word that um means 
it means something in Indonesian and it means something in Japanese, which are, you know, two, um, well, one language that I grew up with and another language that I guess I'm trying to learn. Um, and they kind of mean sort of sparkling. It means sort of sparkling in Japanese and it means, uh, it means maybe in Indonesian. Oh, um, interesting. And, yeah, and zigzag is kind of a, a way of, of, of referencing uh, sound waves. So it cure cure zigzag is kind of like uh, light and waves, you know, like oh, interesting. Huh. The, the sparkling coming from the thing and the waves from the zigzags is a whole thing That's there. Just... I actually initially, I was initially going to name the record cure cure zigzag actually, but I kind of thought it was, <laughs> it might be too, a little, you know, a little weird. Like I would have to be doing that explanation every single oh, right. Right. time. Right. Right. So, right. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, a, that's a cool story. I didn't know that. All right. Well, this is Kira Kira Zigzag by Am Robot and Proud. Cheyenne, it was a great uh, joy to have you on the show. Thanks for your time and best of luck in Japan and elsewhere. Great. Thanks a lot, Vish.
Hey, thanks for listening to that interview with uh, Shaw and Liam of I Am Robot and Proud. I hope you enjoyed that, and I will check out his music. If you want to listen to, subscribe, or review this show on iTunes or Audioboom.com, that would be great. You could just look it up, Creative Control of Beach Kana. You could also go to Patreon.com to make a flexible monthly donation and view the Creative Control with Vishkana t-shirts we have for sale. You can find the show on Facebook, Creative Control with Vishkana. You can like the page there and, and join us there. Also on Twitter, at Creative, And on CFRU 93.3 FM in Guelph, we, this show goes live to air every Wednesday at noon Eastern Standard Time, and you can listen to it at CFRU.ca. Coming up on the show in the next few weeks, I believe Eugene Merman is going to be on the show, comedian, voice of Gene on Bob's Burgers. He's going to be on the show. Also, I believe that Gregory Pepper of Gregory Pepper and His Problems might be on the show and lots of other stuff, too. So, yeah, stay tuned for that stuff, I suppose. All right. Thanks for listening. Talk to you soon. on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with quince go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365 day returns Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.